listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Showtime. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and I am totally hissed off about a recent newspaper column by a noted human baby expert. Here comes my rant of the week. Dr. T. Barry Brazelton, a well-respected doctor and syndicated columnist, may know babies, but he's sadly misinformed about cats and their relationship to humans. In his January 12th column, the good doctor received a question from a concerned pregnant woman. Sadly, his answer mixed fact with myth and omitted quite a bit of detail that would have calmed the fears of any mother-to-be who also loves the family cat. Basically, he encouraged this woman to get rid of her cat, saying she'd risk giving her child a devastating disease or... Or maybe the cat would attack her baby and suffocate it out of jealousy. Give me a break. We'll demystify what prompted this doctor's misinformation when we talk today with my guest. Dr. Deborah Eldridge has practiced veterinary medicine for more than 25 years at a small animal clinic. She's the author of the newly updated Cat Owner's Veterinary Handbook. She's also the author of the Dog Owner's Veterinary Handbook. So pull up a chair... Invite a cat into your lap, and we'll be right back with Dr. Deborah Eldridge after these messages. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Hey, ready to take a walk? Not just you, but the whole family. It's the 2009 Whisker Walk, Sunday, June 7th from 11 to 3 at the Lancaster Fairground in Lancaster, Massachusetts. Pet owners and animal lovers walk to lend a paw to benefit the animal shelters and pet charities they love. Come see exhibits, demonstrations, educational programs, special attractions, product giveaways, entertainment, auctions, raffles, food, fun, and things for adults and kids to see, do, and buy, both human and pet-related. Whisker Walk 2009, a fun day for everyone. For more information, log on to whiskerwalk.org. Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.
Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. And please welcome Dr. Deb Eldridge, a veterinarian who can answer some of our questions about babies and cats and other feline health concerns. Welcome to the show, Dr. Deb. Hi, Amy. I'm glad to be here. And I have a uh, cat. <laughs> you have a cat. I want, That was my next question. Tell us about your cats. Fire is sitting on my lap. He's an orange male domestic short hair. And he's a little peeved at some of the things he's heard, too. <laughs> well, let's just jump right into it with all claws extended. What's the deal about cats and babies? Why do so many human doctors have it in for felines? I find it amazing that human physicians, oh, I guess if they're a physician, they're supposed to treat humans, that they <laughs> are so ignorant about zoonotic diseases and toxoplasmosis in particular seems to be like a little hot spot for them. They are sure that if a pregnant woman has a cat that she's going to get toxoplasmosis, it will go to her developing fetus and there will be all sorts of horrible problems. That is like so ridiculous, it's not even funny. Let's back up. What is toxoplasmosis? Toxoplasmosis is basically best described as a parasitic organism that can be transmitted by cats, um, particularly cats who are outdoors and hunting and eating mice and so forth. But most people who get toxoplasmosis get it either from A, eating meat that hasn't been well cooked because the toxoplasmosis organisms can insist in meat or by gardening in areas where cats may have eliminated and if they're not wearing gloves and then they don't wash their hands, it is theoretically possible that they could get toxoplasmosis that way. Okay, but now let's let's get serious. How often do people, pregnant ladies, become infected and transmit this to their babies? Is it really a common occurrence, or is it this kind of a hand-waving scare tactic on the part of doctors? It's certainly in the United States, it is not a very common problem. And when you look at house cats possibly transmitting the disease, you have to realize that it would come through handling their stool. Okay, and when a cat eliminates, those toxoplasmosis organisms are not immediately infective. They have to be out of the cat for anywhere from one to five days. Therefore, even if your cat was shedding toxoplasmosis organisms, if you cleaned your litter box every day, there should be no problem. Um, Quite frankly, most people clean the stool out even twice a day. Or if you're really, really nervous, you could make your husband. Well, yes, and the fact is you would have to be pretty, pretty unsanitary to actually catch this from your cat, even if the cat happened to be infected, because basically, folks, not to be gross about it, but it is gross. You would have to transmit the organism from the litter box into your mouth and swallow it. Right, and the average person is not going to do that, at least the average adult (laughs) is not going to be doing that, so... 
Well, and most cats, if they are indoor cats, probably are not going to be infected. Or if they have been, they are probably immune and not going to be transmitting the disease anyway. Does that not just happen for a very short period of time? That's correct, Amy. If a cat has toxoplasmosis, they only shed infective oasis for a very short period of time. And I also tell people, if you're very nervous about it, you can go and have a titer, you the mother. If you have a titer against toxoplasmosis, that means you've already been exposed at some point and you are not going to be able to spread it to your child. The other thing you could do is have your cats checked for it. But quite frankly, we at the time I was pregnant with my daughter, two other women at the veterinary clinic where I work were pregnant. All three of us had cats. I at the time had four. None of us had husbands that were very good at cleaning the litter box. So the three of us were doing our own litter boxes, working at a veterinary clinic, and working with sick cats at times, including cats with toxoplasmosis. And none of us even had a titer. So it's not that easy to spread. So basically the titer, you're just going to go to your doctor and ask for a blood test and the same with your cats, get a blood test, just set your mind at ease. And it also, it may help you with uh, arguing with your mother-in-law that no, I don't have to get rid of Fluffy. Right. I have to say my own mother was like a little nervous that I was letting my cats sleep wherever they wanted. And I was like, you know what? Cats do not suck the breath out of babies. They don't suffocate babies. I'm not worried. I have no idea where my cat slept half the night. <laughs> I do know my tortoise shell slept with me in my bed. I'm sure some of the cats were sleeping at various times in the crib with my two kids when they were tiny because it was warm, it was soft, and somehow, amazingly, both my children managed to survive. <laughs> Well, of course, we always recommend that new mothers or, I mean, even experienced mothers, you want to supervise with pets, uh, whether it's a dog or a, or a cat or a pony or a donkey or whatever it is that you have. You do want to have some supervision. But I think today we're maybe a little bit too overprotective. In fact, I hear often, I hear my readers or, or my uh, consulting clients will will say, well, I don't want my children to have allergies, so we've got to get rid of the pets. And I think that's maybe a little backwards. What do you have to say to that? Um, Actually, there have been some studies now that kids who are exposed to animals young are less likely to have allergies. And along that line, the mothers who are like the super cleaners, you know, their house is immaculate, you could eat off the floor. That's not me. Yeah, well, not my house either. (laughs) Those kids raised in that kind of an environment actually are more prone to infections and allergies, probably because their immune systems haven't been exposed to things. So every time I skip a vacuuming, I point out to my children, I'm doing it just for them. I love that. Now, as I said, parents should take precautions with any pet. You can check in some of the Pet Peeves archives for shows that deal specifically with how to bring up your baby with pets and safe ways for your children to interact with pets and the whole family. Now, we will continue our conversation with Dr. Eldridge, though, after these messages from our sponsor. 
Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Doc. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves, so here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We're back, and again speaking with Dr. Deb Eldridge, president of the Dog Riders Association of America and author of several pet care books, including the updated Cat Owner's Veterinary Handbook. Dr. Eldridge has won writing awards from both the Dog Writers Association and the Cat Writers Association. So, Dr. Deb, tell us about your new cat book. What's it all about? Oh, this book, I have to say, was a work of love. It's really not even so much an update as almost an entirely new book. We added hundreds of pages, and I worked with my editor was Beth Edelman, and During the writing of this book, we both lost a dearly beloved longtime cat. And so literally some of the pages of the update, I'm sure, were covered with tears. And we both wanted to make this the book for cat owners to give you information, set you at ease, let you know when you needed to react right away, and provide as much useful information as we could. Well, I know that if this is the same situation as with the dog book, you weren't sure you were going to write this right off the bat. That is true. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) When I was called to do the two updates, I immediately said no. Um, I had a lot of things going on, and I thought, you know, this is a major bit of work, and if it's going to be done, it should be done right. And no, I don't have time to do it, but... Luckily, the editors were persistent, and I gave in, and I have to say, I am so glad they were persistent. This book, I just 
I think perhaps her, it'd probably be a tie with the book that I wrote with my daughter, but this, I'm just so proud of this book, and I hope that it will be so helpful to cat owners. Well, I know that there is a fine line between learning about cat care in a book and then actually performing do-it-yourself veterinary medicine. Now, when I did my book, The First Aid Companion for Dogs and Cats, and I interviewed probably 70 emergency room veterinarians, every one of them expressed concern about, oh, no, we can't give this information. We don't want pet owners doing this at home. So I know that's a concern of yours as well. How do you reconcile providing some of this great information in the book with balancing that with the concern that owners don't take veterinary medicine into their own hands? I have to say I've had very, very few cases where owners were doing things they probably shouldn't at home. And actually, I would say even less so with a cat because if you start doing some sort of medical procedure on a cat and you aren't knowledgeable and aren't very experienced in cat handling, the cat will make you stop. Cats are very good at saying, I don't think so. I just find that most people, given information, will use that information not to try to treat it themselves, but to go to their veterinarian and say, okay, I looked this up, you know, in my book. This is what I am thinking. Could you explain this to me? What do you think? And a well-educated owner asks better questions, comes in with a better history, and is usually better prepared to do whatever treatment they have to do at home. Were there any particular parts of the book that were more challenging to write than others? Oh, dear. Um, Well, a lot of the behavior areas, you know, again, behavior, I have to say, is something that people seem to want to try to work on at home. And both Beth and I felt very strongly that we wanted people to have a sensible approach, but also to realize, you know, if they are having a serious behavior problem, they need help, professional help from the outside. So I would say that was one of the most difficult areas. Okay. Does your book address or debunk some of the other kinds of cat myth information, such as the toxoplasmosis concern? Oh, yes. We talk about the toxoplasmosis situation and things like you need to know, actually not a myth, but cats are very sensitive to a number of medications. Cats are missing a liver enzyme that almost every other mammal has. And this is why if you give a cat Tylenol, there's a very high likelihood that you will have just killed your cat. So So there's some important danger issues there with self-medicating, which is a really good reason not to do that at home. Right. I find that a, a, a big thing, you know, discussing what is poisonous for a cat. Even some of the flea medications that you can put on a dog with impunity are very dangerous for a cat. Well, what else is important for listeners to know about cat care and and this book in particular? How is this book different than others that might be out on the shelves? Well, we tried first to be extremely comprehensive. As I said, we added a couple hundred pages. We covered all the latest to newest things, but also tried to cover basic care and problems too. One of the things I like the best is the signs and symptoms index, which is on the inside covers of the front and the back. 
Uh-huh. So if if you are at home and your cat comes running out and you realize that your cat has very uncoordinated movement, you can immediately open the book. Right in the front, it'll say gate, you know, uncoordinated, and give you a number of different sites to check. So you can go right to those and look at them. And, you know, some of the problems discussed might be in a kitten or in an old cat. So you could rule that out depending on the age of your cat. But it immediately gives you a quick way, while you're panicked and worried, to find some information. So where can listeners find copies of your books? Um, You can get copies of the book at pretty much any of the major booksellers like Barnes & Nobles. Please also don't hesitate to check your local independent bookstores. And even if they don't have it, they can order it for you. The Cat Fanciers Association carries the book on their website, which I believe is www.cfa.org. And um, you can also order it online at any of the booksellers. Well, we are out of time, but I would like to thank Dr. Deb Eldridge and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for the next installment of What Hisses You Off. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. You can get transcripts that way, too. Purrs and trills till next time. And remember, keep your pets happy and healthy by keeping near at hand a cat care book like Dr. Deb's newest. When you receive advice that seems drastic, such as a recommendation to get rid of a beloved pet, please don't hesitate to get a second opinion from a qualified expert. After all, you don't want your cats to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.